0: Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our guest host, uh, Anita Agarwal, and we thought we'd have a conversation on uh, finding markets, on selling, and exporting. So, uh, Anita, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing, Luki?
0: I'm fantastic as always. So, uh Anita joins us as the the CEO of uh, Jewels Forever. Uh, as for those that are joining us on video, can see in her in her background. And uh, obviously, she, she sells goods in, in the market. And uh, we want to have a little bit of a conversation on, on selling. And, and for me, uh, selling often has a, a bit of a dirty connotation, right? If you're, if you're kind of the shy introvert, no, nobody really wants to be sold to. But, but if you think about it, pretty much everything you do, you're, you're selling someone on something, either to uh, get a promotion uh get, have your parents buy you a dog <laughs> or whatever it is or yeah. convince someone to go to a particular restaurant and, and things like that so i thought it'd be a good conversation to talk a little about that and then uh add to that conversation like finding markets and and your businesses a bit on exporting as well so we'll, we can touch a little bit on that so um could, could you tell us maybe a story about maybe what was the first sale that you remember like any of the things uh from from uh Uh, a selling perspective either earlier or or in your professional career? What what was the first sale you remember?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, You know what? Uh, This is a tricky one because I've been in business for so long. I don't actually remember. So uh, when my parents, like my mom, when she first started our business, it was back in 1980. And, you know, then she transformed the business and started a new business in 1991. And I would say at that time, we were actually doing a home-based business. So from 1991 until 1996, it was a home-based business. And at that time, I mean, the internet wasn't, you know, it wasn't readily available to everybody. And at my home, we didn't even have a personal computer, So the way that you sold things was very different. And because we were a home-based business, we had like this 1-800 number where people could order stuff and then we would ship it out and package it. And I think that uh, when I was 14, my parents started going on business trips. And so I would have to take some of the phone calls. And um, it was very intimidating because you didn't want the other person to know that you were a teenager so, you had to like act more mature than you were, so I had to like be very mature sounding and the funny thing is then people would call back later and they're like was that was that a child who like took our order?" and my parents were like, "No, no, that's her secretary. She just sounds really." Young. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's like a lot of factors, I think, that come across in selling. And I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned at an early age is that when you're selling, a lot of it has to do with who you are. And um, there's many different things that you can do as a person and different, different techniques, sales techniques that you can employ, um, based on who you are. Like some people do this soft sell. And I think what, um, Luki, you're referring to is like this hard sell where, you know, it's got this ick factor. And, you know, sometimes it can be cringy when people are like, this is going to change your life. You need to buy this. If you don't (laughs) buy it today, you're going to miss out on the best opportunity. And I think that's the kind of cringe kind of sell that you um, would feel like, okay, that's a little much, right? And in some ways, like I am, I am an extroverted person, but in some ways, like I do not like that approach at all. I'm all about the soft sell. I'm all about like building this relationship with a client. And I'm really honest with people. Like if I don't like a product that I carry, I'm like, you know what, this is not my favorite piece. Um, However, you know what, like it might be yours. And the funny thing is when you're honest with people, it actually really works for you. And when you do this soft sell approach, it really works for you. So Anyways, yeah. So my first experience um, selling was on the phone.
0: That sounds good. And as part of that process, you talked about like kind of hard sell versus soft sell. So you're absolutely right where it's kind of that, Hard sell, the high pressure—like you, you got to get this. Uh, act now, limited quantity supplies, last. Uh, whatever are 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 going out of stock and things like that, where it's it's almost like oh, you feel dumb for not taking it. And then once you do buy it, it's kind of like that buyer's remorse, it's like oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Whereas the soft sell is a little bit more okay. Uh, this is how it's going to add value to your life. Why it's going to be a good choice for you. And yeah, it, it's my honest opinion on whether it's good or not or what have you. And uh, hopefully from there, it's it's more than just the, the sale. It's also the building of the relationship. So that next time, if I have a product that's of interest, that you might be interested in that one a, a, as well. Um, are there other aspects of sales and, and different techniques that uh, you'd, you'd want to share with folks?
1: Um, I'm not sure. We'll come back to this later. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll talk right. about some of the strategies that I've used, if that's okay, and like the processes sure. of... you know maybe building a business and finding you know ways to market and stuff
0: sure of course yeah. So uh, I guess going going on, on that vein, when was the first time you you remember like consciously looking for a market? Because obviously, when you're 14 year old, answering calls, you're, you're, people are just coming coming in and and asking for for this and that or what have you. But then now you have to, at some point, proactively go out and, and and find these folks. So so what was kind of that instance or an example of when you were consciously looking for a market?
1: Yeah. So I would say like the f- the first thing that you need to do in terms of your own business at the beginning is to find a specialization for yourself. And this really is part of the process of finding clients because if you know what your specialty is and what you're doing, it makes your life a lot easier. If you just randomly try to do lots of different things and that's the thing, my company before, like when my parents first started it, they had to try a lot of different products and a lot of different things to figure out what their actual niche was. And sometimes that's by trial and error. But if you want to expedite that process, it's always best to like research, you know, whether or not there is a market or a demand for the product that you have. So for me, number one thing is knowing what your specialty is and then two, finding that market. And finding that market, um, it's definitely a multi-level kind of process to do this. First thing that I would say is find out what is the biggest event in your industry. What are the what is the event like? And if it's in your budget, you know what is the biggest event in your industry. Um, whether that's in Las Vegas or whether that's in, you know, Europe or in Asia, you have to invest to go to that event because what you're going to do is you're going to go to this event and it'll be like a crash course in understanding your product and who the big players are, who is your competition. Like basically it's like a crash course in doing a SWOT analysis. So if you're not familiar with the SWOT analysis, that's examining your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So what is the entire market about? Is there room for your product? Okay. So one way of determining your market is going to these trade shows. The nice thing about going to trade shows is that you're learning all of the stuff about that industry. You're learning about all the big players, but you're also meeting potential clients and you're understanding what are like the benefits to your product versus other people's products. And I think that this works for services as well. And the nice thing about going to trade shows as well is that you're going there and usually they have learning seminars and learning sessions by industry experts. So you get an opportunity to actually network with industry experts as well. So that's, that's the first thing that I would do is do your research. If you cannot afford to go to an actual event, you could do something a little bit easier and that would be to go to the website of these events. And I mean, our business is 31 years old, so that wasn't a possibility for us when we started. But now you could just go to the website of the event, look at everybody that's exhibiting there, look at all the people that are sponsoring it, look at all the org- like the organizations and people that are presenting at that conference. And then you can start contacting these people or going to their websites to learn more about your industry. So I think it's a little bit easier now But I would say like my second point is mostly do your research and whether that's online research or whether that's in-person research, do your research.
0: Right. What I took from that is uh, basically put in the work because at some point some folks will, will hope, okay, I have something to bring to the world. I'll go out there and hope and pray <laughs> versus uh, the more legwork that you do up front, then you can really see, okay, this is how I position myself, how I brand myself compared to these other players and who are the other players to begin with and uh, how do I differentiate? Uh, and, and that would be something for folks to, to think about. And would you mind taking us through kind of uh, your journey in terms of some of the things that you considered? Cause you mentioned that you your parents tried a whole bunch of things and then finally obviously uh, settled on, on 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 jewelry um at least for the foreseeable future who knows what the future has in store but what was the, the process like and what are some of the decisions that you made along the way to say okay we went here and now uh, we're not seeing as much traction oh but this thing has promise and maybe it, it achieved expectations or not um but but could you guide us through to that story
1: yeah sure so when my mom started in the 80s what happened was she went to the bay and she saw this like garnet rope necklace that was on at the bay for a hundred dollars. And she's like, I literally could buy this retail in India for $3 on like the streets of India. Like this is not, she's like, even if I was to sell this at $30, I would still make like a thousand percent profit. So the next year, my mom went to India and she bought all these like different things like gifts and like, um, back in the eighties, I don't know if you remember, but sequence was really in. Do you remember? Like everything was bedazzled with like a lot of sequence <laughs> sure, and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And like in butterfly motifs and stuff. So she bought all these like sequence purses and sequence dresses and stuff like that. And, um, and then she decided on top of her nine to five job on the weekends, she would go to a flea market. And this was really a trial and error. So she found that, you know what, doing the giftware items, like, you know, home decor, sequence dresses and stuff, uh, those took a lot of space to store. And to store that in our house at that time, it was like taking up a whole room and our like entire garage. So slowly over time she realized, well, actually this the best selling items and the most, you know, cost effective items are things that come in small packages, which was jewelry. Mm. And so she realized the transportation costs, the storage costs, all of this stuff was so greatly reduced when she had jewelry and she was actually getting a little bit of a higher um, margin in that industry. So through trial and error, they finally decided to get into jewelry exclusively in 1991. And from there, Um, it was another 10 years process to find their niche within the jewelry industry. So within any industry, you're always going to find that there's multiple categories. With our industry, there's fine jewelry, there's diamond category, there's gemstone category, there's gold jewelry, silver jewelry, platinum jewelry, I don't know, brass jewelry. There's just a lot of categories. And that process of narrowing our specialty down took us another 10 years. So...
0: And then ultimately you settled on uh, like what sort of, what's kind of the value add that uh, your uh,
1: jewelry provides? So we actually settled on um, basically providing low cost gold gemstone jewelry, which is a very specific niche, but also we are not like a high-end jeweler. We're more of like the kind of jewelry that you actually find in Walmart. So Walmart is one of my clients um, for their online platform. So... Yeah. So like we are doing low cost jewelry that is fine jewelry, but it's all under $200. Um, So we decided this is going to be our specialty because everything else, anytime we tried something slightly different, it didn't work as well as this.
0: Sounds good. So you ended up with... uh... Finding out or your mom went uh, abroad and, and found out kind of what was in and, and maybe predicted what would be in as well. And then through trial and error and, and probably a little bit of kind of um, in your head analytics, <laughs> figured out that that um, what was moving well, smaller uh, or transportation costs storage costs and things like that and found that with with the higher margins and and uh with with good volume then uh that was something to, to consider and obviously for other people who might be trying something else it could be different for, for for them as as well and then uh it was a journey of of multiple decades it sounds like in order to actually say you know what we can provide affordable uh h- high quality jewelry to folks and uh yeah it seems like that you've been finding success in in, in there as, as well so that that yeah. sounds uh, amazing um what sort of tips would you have? Well, obviously you already shared a couple, but uh, tips that you'd have in, in kind of finding markets selling and even on, on the export side. Cause I know your, your business does a bit of that as well.
1: Yeah. So, um, the other thing that I would say is that as much as, you know, we look at like entrepreneurs as this solo creature, who's like going out into the wilderness, creating something and like has done this all on their own. That is a complete and absolute myth. Okay. I would say that you really like any industry, any like anything that you want to do, you have to find a community. And so what I would say to anybody who wants to get into business or entrepreneurship is find a community of people who are in that industry or even outside of that industry so that you can learn and grow and create opportunities for yourself. So for example, I'm a member of the Canadian Jewelers Association, the American Gem Trade Association, and the Quebec Jewelers Association. So not only do joining professional organizations, Organizations, not only does it help you with your growth journey and learning about what the current market trends are, but also learning about what the laws and rules and regulations in your industry are, you also get opportunities to sell and network with people and meet other folks. The other thing that I do is I'm actually a member of industry um, associations that are small business associations. So you could do this with your local BIA, Business Improvement Association. You could do this with um, regional boards of trade, so I'm a member of the Toronto Region Board of Trade you could find specialized organizations, in the past I've been members of women's business um, networks uh, and organization of women in international trade uh, which I was also the president of for four years so if you find different business associations the nice thing about that is you can learn sales techniques, marketing techniques you can learn from other people's experiences and you can find mentors so a mentor in business doesn't necessarily have to be in your particular field. They could be in another industry, but help you learn about sales and general business techniques. Um, so that's, that's my really big tip is build a network for yourself, whether that's in business or whether that's in your specific industry, you have to find like-minded people.
0: Sounds good, so uh, my take on that is for entrepreneurs that are looking to kind of accelerate or really find that market for their um, for their product, then they need to create basically uh, an interesting Venn diagram of a whole bunch of things where there's kind of the domain and what you're selling. There's like the industry and, and even geography of, of uh, areas that, that c- could help out. Uh, there could be specialized uh, organizations uh, in whatever demographic uh, that, that you might uh, be part of a- as well. And if you can find a couple of other ones where uh, th- there's, uh, I guess, no shortage of different groups and organizations out there, if there's some sort of relationship, you could potentially learn from them. And there could be something where that might be a, a new niche or a different niche, uh, what do you call it, like blue sky or, or blue ocean, <laughs> that sort of thing. That, yeah. That is an untapped uh, market. Uh, so, so go out there and, and kind of put in the work. Don't necessarily just settle on like the usual suspects and, and, and explore yeah. out there. And then it- who knows what sort of meaningful connections you'll be able to build there.
1: And like, so for my industry associations that I join that are particular to my industry, it also helps you establish credibility, right? So when you're a member of the Canadian Jewelers Association, when stores and clients and retailers and stuff, consumers look at that, that you're a member of that organization, that means that you have a certain level of credibility. That means that people know who you are. So you've established that. Joining industry, like different industry associations, like a women's business, um, enterprise network, such like things like that, you can actually find um, clients who aren't actually in your field. So the funny thing is a lot of um, my clients will be like, you're actually a jeweler to non-jewelers. So I sell to a lot of um, web platforms. I sell to businesses that might have jewelry just as a product. I sell my jewelry to cosmetic companies. So these are like like basically I'm cross-pollinating with completely different industries, but because of my expertise in jewelry, I'm able to sell to them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so that just kind of shows where uh, you never know where the opportunity is, so kind of keep your options open. I'm wondering if you comment a little bit about uh, kind of selling B2B versus B2C, so business to business versus business to, to customer, because I think it sounds like you mentioned uh, – one of the big box retailers as one of your clients, that's a B2B uh, play. But uh, I do believe you also sell to, to the individual uh, consumers as well, right? Yeah. How, how is that different in your mind? So
1: I actually, we I would say like 99.9% of my business is B2B. And okay. my B2C component is really just online. And it's not something that's taken off greatly, but I can definitely comment on both of them. So B2B... Definitely, I would say credibility is the biggest thing. People want to know, like my stuff is all made right here in Canada. I design it myself. People really want to know that they can trust you because their company's name and reputation rides on whether or not your product is authentic and whether or not your product is all the things that you claim it to be, right? Whereas with you know, Both with B2B and B2C, I would say it is about the relationship that you create with people, uh, especially if you want to be in any industry for a long time. So relationship management is really important. Ultimately, I would say for both B2C and B2B, your clients want to feel special. They want to feel like you've done something unique for them, you've done something nice for them, and that you actually value and care about that relationship. With B2C, because it's relatively a new space for me, um, I would say... I'm, I haven't been so good at it yet. Uh, that's going to take time for me to develop, but constantly keeping in touch with people. And I find that in some ways it's nicer and easier to do this now, like post 2005 than it has been ever, because there's so many ways to interact with your client. You can do that through social media. You could do that through videos. You could do that through, you know, um, adverts online, There's so many ways to do it, newsletters, so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I totally agree that well, in in any kind of quote-unquote selling relationship, uh, it's really that, the relationship, right? Uh, You need to develop trust. Whether it's a a company or a consumer, they need to trust that uh, you're you're giving them what – Uh, they want and it's going to meet all their expectations and for your uh, uh, B2C sales well it's still being incubated and nurtured so maybe we'll get an update on how that's doing later on if that's even a focus because you might not even you might even decide it's 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 not worth the effort Um, but for someone who who is an entrepreneur selling a product and and getting into the industry uh, are there any other tips uh, in addition to what you provided so far that you would give for someone that that's kind of selling goods and or looking for a market out there
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that I could say that every single entrepreneur needs to have now is some kind of internet presence. And I I am not like exaggerating when I say I have a lot of clients because I sell B2B who still to this day don't have any internet presence. And the clients that I know that do have um, internet presence and who have a lot of Google reviews and other types of reviews, they are the ones who have kind of um, been able to navigate this pandemic a lot better than clients who don't. Because a lot of people, while while they not necessarily had to be shopping online, a lot of people, that's how they do their research now. So if they see that you have um, a website or that you have some kind of web presence, whether that's social media, um, they feel like that sense of trust and credibility again, right, and if you don't have any of that, then it's probably going to be a lot harder for you
0: for sure and where uh, I remember hearing that is uh, a friend was looking to buy something and they were researching the company and they had like zero website zero anything and like oh is this like a a, a scam spam company (laughs) because they Mm -hmm. don't even have anything online so at least a simple website it doesn't even have to be anything too extravagant I think it is good and then obviously if you can build all the socials on top of that then that would be helpful as well. Um, and as we kind of close this off, are, are there any other parting words or, or words of wisdom for, for selling goods or looking for a market that you'd want to share?
1: Um, yes, it's it's a lot of trial and error. I think that in some ways, doing business has never been as easier as it is now, but also it's never been as harder. So in some ways, like the overhead associated with starting a business can be a lot now. Okay. Um, especially if you're in the product space. So your overhead can be quite a bit. The other thing is that landscape is changing drastically, right? And you have a lot more competition. So while you might have a website, there might be like tons of other websites and there might be products that are similar to yours, but maybe not at that same level in terms of quality. But you, people might opt for that based on price. So there is a lot of competition, but at the same time, when I say it's never been easier, it's so much easier to reach out to potential clients. Um, thank you. Thanks to these web, same web technologies. Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds,
0: sounds good. So for, for those uh, trying to venture out into the entrepreneurial world on the product space, go ahead and give it a shot, right? Obviously don't uh, kind of bet the house, bet the farm on it, right? um, Because you obviously want to mitigate mitigate that risk, but it is, uh, as you said, easier because there's all these like online platforms and, and Shopify sites that you can create, and with SEO, then you can kind of get noticed fairly quickly. But it's such a crowded landscape that everybody is doing that, right? So you have to kind of almost stay one step ahead of everybody else in order to do that. And if you, as you mentioned earlier, kind of niche yourself down and really add value in at a particular space, then you can always take that ex- space and, and expand it, right? So, uh, and hopefully get, uh, I think in marketing, they have like the, the thousand true fans or something like that, 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 oh. that really... Um, kind of speak to to, and and advocate your product and and those people will will help you kind of build your brand.
1: Yep, absolutely. And you know what, that leads me to one more point. There's a saying that, you know, uh, 20% of people that are your clients make up 80% of your sales. And I really believe that's true. So, you know, building those relationships with the same clients over and over, it's, um, it's invaluable especially in the long run so
0: for sure yeah back to the the 80 20 rule it, it, it applies in sales and marketing and all that sort of stuff as well yeah. finding your market so uh thanks so much anita for uh sharing your your tips and and strategies and insights on on selling goods on uh, finding your market and and a little bit on the export side and uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode
1: sounds good thank you <laughs>